Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie of our choosing. This month's movie is John Dies at the End. This is a, is a movie that I don't think a lot of people have really heard of. But once you've seen it, I'm pretty sure you're not going to forget it anytime soon either. So Brian, I, I know this is a first time watch for you, but do you have any history with maybe the filmmaker? The, the filmmaker, yes. I've got uh, one, if not two, of his. Uh, I, did he do, I know he did Bubba Hotep. He didn't do My Name is Bruce, though, did he? No. He had Phantasm? No I know he did Phantasm, but... Um, yes, you know I have a history with that film. I, I, I borrowed the box set for Phantasm off my brother with the express intention to review them all mm-hmm. I watched the first one and I thought nope, <laughs> not for me <laughs> and I never got around to the second one which I'm, I'm reasonably reliably told is definitely a better film so may- maybe maybe I need to go and give that one a chance and if, if I'm still not biting the phantasm bug after the second one then then leave it. But yeah, I've, I've had no desire to return to it after that first film. Um, and this film, just adding to what you said about at the beginning, yeah, it left me, by the end of it, just asking myself that age-old question, what the hell did I just watch? Yes. Um, I quite like Don Coscarelli's stuff. I, I like Phantasm the series, but I think it's because I saw it at a time where I was impressionable and that made an impression. Um, so I, I enjoy those movies. I absolutely love The Beastmaster, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we As went I'm, over this last episode. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it lots of times. I love it. Even Bubba Ho Tape was a terrific movie for me. Big Bruce Campbell fan and I kind of loved the idea behind that. Maybe more than the actual execution still think it's a pretty good movie. And when I found out that he was doing John Dies at the end, I was one of the probably few people that couldn't wait to see it. Um, this is this is one where I probably prefer the execution behind it more than the idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and when I sat down and watched it, it was, I think it was maybe about three, four years ago I saw it, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and it was one of those movies I watched one night and then the next night I put it back on and watched it again. Um, and then I picked up the Blu-ray and I've seen it a couple of times since. I like this movie, straight off the bat. It, it, it speaks to me, it's my brand of weird. And I, <laughs> it's one of those movies that you can look at and fully understand why somebody just hates it. You know, there's no middle ground here, I don't think. I think it's something you either like or you don't like. And it, it's got me a little bit worried, Brian, because... I don't know where the conversation is going to go in this one at all. So, Well, the thing is, you, you say there's no middle ground, but I, I've, I've got a feeling I'm going to prove you wrong on that one. I think I'm going to be right down the middle on this. But, uh, well, that's, 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 I suppose that's not too bad. So what I'm, <laughs> what, what I'm really looking forward to is a detailed and coherent synopsis about the basic plot of John Dies at the End, Brian. Well, I'm sure somebody out there has done one. <laughs> you won't find it here. Um, yeah, 
very minimal with regards to uh, summing up the plot for this. Mm. Uh, so here it goes. Yeah, John dies at the end. A new street drug that sends its users across time and dimensions has one drawback. Some people return no longer human. Can John and Dave save humanity from this silent, otherworldly invention? With so much weirdness, the only certainty is that John dies at the end. Oh, well done, Ray, yet again. I'm going to pick a title where you just can't do it at some point. <laughs> <coughs> Not because I want to see that movie, just because I want to stump you. Um, okay. It goes, goes without saying that half of that synopsis was cribbed from whoever wrote it on IMDb. <laughs> uh, just, just before somebody, you know, um, very unlikely kind of comes comes across this and says, mm. hey, hang on a minute. <laughs> Yeah, um, just briefly, what did you think about the opening of the movie with the whole sort of mystery question about the axe? Uh, <laughs> it's pretty much the answer you're going to get from most of the questions you ask me about this film throughout. Mm. Um, to be honest, I, I've forgotten, and I only watched this two nights ago, Mm. Um, but this film is so all over the place, so <laughs> scattershot with the way it presents its ideas that, like I say, when I, when I sat down afterwards and thought about it, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? Mm. And, uh, like, you know, if you, if you ask me to give you a scene by scene blow of what mm. actually happened, I think I can, I can remember scenes. I wouldn't be able to tell you what order they came in or mm. how they kind of affected the other scenes around them, but I know they're there. <laughs> right, well, <laughs> let, let me put it this way. I've, I've seen the movie a, a few times, and it, the movie looks fairly scattershot. It feels muddled. It jumps from plot point to plot point without much cohesion, and you're not too sure what the overlarking story is. But when you watch it a second time, things become much clearer and you can see a deliberate storyline from the very beginning all the way through and how everything connects and I think it's a movie that you need to see twice to really understand everything that's going on in it. I think there's a lot of things going on in it. Some land, some don't. Um, but I, I, I like the way it poses several questions throughout it. Like just... Um, Wants to get the brain active, you know, the whole thing at the start with the axe, it opens with him cutting the head off a body um, and and the shaft breaks and then he's doing something else and the head breaks and he's replaced both these parts and then the question is, is that the same axe as before? You know, it's, it's just it's silly yeah, things. Yeah. It, it, it's basically the only fools and horses trigger joke with his broomstick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he says he's had, you know, 20 new handles and and, and and 15 new heads in 40 years or whatever, and he says, but it's still the same old knot. But, yeah, I, I, like, to be honest, it comes thick and fast. I'll say mm. that much. The script comes thick and fast, to the point where, actually, I, I think this would have been greatly improved, shall we say, if it had been directed by Edgar Wright. I think if Edgar Wright had directed this, um, it, it would really suit his his particular style. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, 
don't think Don Coscarelli is the strongest of directors. But that being said, I don't think he particularly gets the highest budgets when dealing with studios. And I think, for obvious reasons, given the material, the studios probably aren't going to give him large sums of money to get accomplished what it is he wants to get accomplished. So his films look like somebody with bigger ideas than the people who are willing to fund him uh, is, is, is about the best I can say uh, there. But, um, but, but, but I get it. I think the ambition that is on display here, mm-hmm. uh, w- w- the amount of ideas that are crammed into the tin, so to speak, is at the very least admirable. Mm. Um, do, do you know this is based on a book? I do, yeah. I, I, I learned after do. I watched the film first, and then I did a bit of reading up mm. on it, and I learned it was based on a book. But uh, so it's, it's based on a book by David Wong, who is the title of the main character in the story. <laughs> it, it's it's so kind of heavy meta because the author actually puts himself into. I've read the book as well, um, just because I wanted to see if it was as, as manic, and it is. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, and the author has a very distinctive style that I haven't seen really done before in, in many other books. Um, his follow-up book was... Uh, this book is full of spiders. Seriously, don't open it. There's lots of spiders in it. Or, or something like wrong. It's like a really wacky name. Um, <coughs> and, he, and that's just as equally scattershot, just all over the place. Um, so I don't think it's all down to Coscarelli, but I do think it, mm. it is... A, Engage something in them because you can tell that the movie doesn't have a big budget. Yeah, particularly it, towards the end. D- yes, yeah, they, they can't quite CGI stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, but they can't quite finance what they want to do. But I think it does look pretty good, and they do get some good talent attached to the movie as well. I I think when they stick to the practical stuff, it works. Like you mm. can tell that it's cheap. You can tell that it's. It, it you know it's, it's no budget, but it works and it kind of adds to the charm. I think when it slips off the rails from a special effects standpoint, is towards the end when they go through into this other dimension. Um, you can tell that all the backdrops are um, you know CGI'd in, mm. they're all green screened in, um, and yeah, you know I, I've I've seen some YouTubers that kind of do better <laughs> green screen that than, than that. Um, but like I say, when it's the practical stuff, like the meat monster, mm. I, I just thought, what is going on? You know, it's, it's, it's just, it, was, it felt very David Lynch-esque in that moment, um, mm. but obviously, again, just not, not, quite, as, uh, not quite as dark as, as Lynch, because Lynch would play that completely serious, whereas here it's... It's played played for laughs. It, it reminds me a bit more Kevin Smith, uh, Dogma kind of mm, yeah stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that. Um, so, what did you what did you like about the movie, Brian? Um, well, well, I I did like it. As as I say, I I I just felt like my brain was a bit fried by the end of it. Um, <laughs> like. I I put that out on Facebook um, mm. just the other day actually about you know the, what the, the whole what the hell did I just watch thing and 
our friend Peter, bearded movie guy, he, he commented and said that I, 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 th this film basically thinks it's smarter than, than what it actually is. And, and I think that's a slightly unfair assessment, mm. if I'm being perfectly honest. I, I think if you, as I say, if you'd have put this into the hands of Edgar Wright and given it a bigger budget, a, a proper studio budget, I think those elements that make you think this is being smart, trying to be smarter than it is, would fade away. Mm. Um, because under the gloss of Hollywood, you, you would, yeah, it, you can hide a lot of sins, I guess. But uh, here, uh, because of that low budget, um, I guess ultimately they're, they're punching above their weight. Mm. Is, yeah. is is you know, and that's always a good thing. I think mm. I think I think it's better to punch above your weight than under. You know, um, so many films in Hollywood have such huge budgets and yet give us nothing yeah. to, to kind of, you know, and, and I, again, that, that's admirable. I, mm. I like the script. I like how fast paced it is, how kinetic it is. I like how the tone of it, in effect, changes mm. every 10 minutes or so. So if you're not enjoying a particular section of the movie, it doesn't matter because you've no idea where you're going to be in 10 minutes from now and you mm. might enjoy that section of the movie, you know? So, like, you get kind of... Yeah, you get, like, the Cronenberg body horror-type stuff. Uh, then you get slasher horror elements in there. Then you mm. move into sci-fi. Um, we've got uh, kind of invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing there. And then we go off into a complete other dimension which reminded me of something but I, I couldn't quite think what but it had a, a certain flavour about it um, but yeah as I say you, you stick with it because chances are if there's a section you're not enjoying at some point there'll be a section that you do um, like I, I mean I, I enjoyed the the bit inside, inside the police station where they're being yeah. questioned and that random cop just comes in behind them, and and, <laughs> and then you you know that that I always find that creepy. I've seen that idea done in other films where you know you someone's there, but then you look in a mirror and they're not actually there, mm -hmm. which which always freaks me out because I'm like, because it always makes me wonder, you know, is there mm. is there someone in this room right now, and you don't know. Um, would I see them if I looked in the mirror? This, you know, that kind of a reversal on that. But um, mm. yeah, I like how that played out. You know, I liked the chill that it gave me. Um, I, I like what you've, you've you touched on a good point there, where you said it kind of changes every ten minutes, um, mm. and I think that's probably one of the things that I I liked most about it. being a movie fan, much like yourself. We've probably seen a lot of tropes and a lot of stories play out the way you suspect that they're going to play out. Um, mm. Even rewatching this, it still surprises me because it it makes complete left turns, like from where you expect the story to go, and it never rests in the laurels, and it never takes the obvious path. It goes, it seems to go for the most obtuse, wacky uh, decision that it possibly can do, and I think it, it keeps the movie kind of fresh and makes you pay attention to what's happening. Yeah, yeah. and it, but even though I d did try and pay attention, there there was certain elements about it that I, I feel like maybe could have done with a bit more work. I think the girlfriend character mm. is very 
kind of haphazard. Um, and it took a while for me to realize what was going on with her because I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's just muddled. Like he meant he mentions her at the start, but then mm. he t he taught you know he's, he's having this interview with the Paul Giamatti character. So you get that they've gone back in time. Mm -hmm. So at this point, she's not his girlfriend. Um, but then I'm not precisely sure at what point she does become his girlfriend. It's, it's just like at, at times she is and at times she isn't, but mm. mostly she isn't. And then all of a sudden she just is. And it's like, well, when, when did it actually happen? And so when you're dealing with a time travel movie... You know, it, I think it's important when you're jumping to different time periods to do it in such a way that that keeps you keeps you within the main thread of what's mm. going on, rather than leaving you sitting there too busy questioning other things. So, because I'm sat there questioning, is that his girlfriend? Oh, it's not his girlfriend. Oh, oh, it is. I'm, is it? No. Um, that that kind of that took me out of the film in many instances because I'm too busy trying to work that out rather mm. than kind of pay my mind on more important things, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, so what about the final third about the movie when it goes into the, the alternate dimension and you get the, the, sort of, the joke about they're in Eyes Wide Shut Land? Um, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. And it turns out that these two guys, our heroes who we've followed through the whole story, aren't the heroes. They're not. You know, the main, the person who's there to stop this bad person is Barkley, the dog. The yeah. guys, they're just there as distractions. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I just. I mean, you've got to like Barkley, <laughs> Brian, surely. Especially when he drives yeah, through the van. You, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good enough. It just seems weird. It's like it's, it's, it throws all these <laughs> wacky things at you. Like it's Barclays at the end. He's the hero. You've got the part where he's on the phone on a bratwurst. Well, the thing is, by the time you get to that point at the end, it kind of makes sense. So yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't really come out of the blue. It doesn't feel like a twist that was uh, mm -hmm. cobbled together because everything else is so wacky. It just it's more a figures kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're definitely right. Another thing you touched on was the tone. The tone is just all over the place, but I think it fits the movie because that um, one of the main characters who seems tonally off every time I see him is Marconi, mm. the uh, Clancy Brown character. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, that's got really bad CG uh, screens behind them, but I think they're supposed to be like that. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, partic particularly in that third act. Just yeah, kind of loses a bit. It kind it kind of reminds me of, and, and I and I'm sure that this isn't lost on the filmmakers. I I would imagine they looked at their budget and thought, well, actually, let's let's attune it to films of this ilk that would have been shot like this. So it, so because of that, it does have a very eighties kind of flavour to it. Mm. You know, it remind reminds me of films like and well the nightmare and elm street films really when you think about the the dream worlds that they would go into during a night the mainly the sequels more than the original uh, mm -hmm. particularly the later sequels it kind of has that sort of blue screen effect to it and and just the effects in general to it um 
Yeah, uh, what about Mr uh, Paul Giamatti, who, who's here for a, a fairly small role? It's quite significant, though. I, I feel like he's in quite a bit of screen time. I mean, uh, all of his scenes take place in the cafe, so yeah. you know they probably only got him for about two days and yeah. they just blitzed through his stuff. But he makes an impression, and yeah. that's mainly because it's Paul Giamatti, and he mm. always makes an impression, even when he's under... Tons of latex and goodness knows what for Planet of the Apes. He mm. still makes an impression. He's got a very distinctive voice as well. So um, yeah, it, yeah it, it, I, it sells everything in the movie. Like it, he plays it as if everything's like dead serious, and he mm. sells it as such as well. I mean, you just can't hide a good actor. They're just excellent. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> like I think anyone who's making a low budget movie, the first thing you need to do is try and get. Just just one. If you can sign up one talent, and if it's for a character that you know you're only going to need a, f- a couple of days shooting, you sign up that the biggest talent you can afford for that one character so that you've got someone you can put on the poster, so that you've got mm. someone whose name you can use to sell it. Uh, and that's clearly what they've done here. I, it, it would surprise me. Really surprised me if they had him on set for more than oh, yeah. a few days. Um, but because they utilised him for, you know, you know, they could have utilised him for the Clancy Brown character. But Clancy Brown's character appears in less screen time than Paul Giamatti's character, but in more locations, and mm. therefore they wouldn't have got as much for their money. Um, I mean, admittedly, Clancy Brown is a name, but I don't think he's as much of a draw as someone like Paul Giamatti, not even close. No. Um, so that's what you do. You find that character that, you know, in the script is confined to one location. You know you can block out all their scenes in one bulk, and boom, you hire... That's where you put your money. And, and it's a good decision, because... Paul Giamatti is one of my favourite actors. He's one of the most respected, I think, character actors in Hollywood, and for good reason. Uh, and he definitely brings that constant A-game here as well. Hmm. Um, it, this happens to me all the time. Whenever I'm talking about a movie that I really like, I can't articulate it too much, and I kind of struggle to bring <laughs> forth the points that I want to talk about. Um, do, do you have anything you want to touch on, Brian, with John Dies at the end? Uh... It's just not really. I like I say, it's just it's wacky, it's fast, very very kinetic film. Uh, it's got some good performances in it. I do think that the guy who plays the lead, Dave, um, while he's competent, he 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 does what needs to be done, and I think his dryness kind of works for the character. I, I could very easily imagine other plenty of other and indeed better actors filling out that role um mm. I, I, yeah i I'd, I'd have liked to have seen i think a, a bit more chemistry between john and dave um like I, oh I actually i like the chemistry between the two really? guys yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah i find you can get david to kind of uh, keeps everything internal, doesn't really show his face, kind of calm, and then you've got John who's just wild and wacky, the, the complete opposite of him, who's everything's exterior uh, when he's jumping about or, or doing drugs or whatever. Um, I, I kind of liked it. You could, well, I felt as if they were 
friends for a long, long time. Again, I, I th- it comes back to that Edgar Wright thing. If you, if, you know, if you, if you stick Edgar Wright on this and you cast Simon Pegg and Nick Frost when they were younger, um, then you've this would be gold. It would be absolute gold um, because you know they they are friends in real life, lifelong friends in real life, uh, mm-hmm. and and that chemistry always came through. It came through in Spaced, it came through in Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, you know, it, it, it's just it's just there. It just bursts off the screen. Yeah. Do you want um, to bring in, um, do you want to bring in Bill Nighy as uh, Marconi? <laughs> <laughs> sold. I'm sold. Remake this film, seriously. Give it to Edgar Wright, recast with these people we've just mentioned, and you've got an A-list film. You suddenly turn this, this kind of B-list kind of straight to DVD thing into something that people are paying good money for at the cinema mm. um, okay so, so for the people out there listening who we've not exactly sold this to who would you recommend this kind of movie for I, I okay I, I would recommend it to people who, who, who do like Shaun of the Dead kind of stuff mm. um, but if, if you think of like Shaun of the Dead, but with a bit, a bit more of a David Lynch kind of vibe to it. Then, then I think, I think that's the kind of vibe you're going for. I, I think people who like maybe eighties horror movies might get something out of this as well. Um, but, but just bear in mind, this is definitely a science fiction film mm. as well. Um, pro- probably even more so actually than it, than a horror. So. Mm. Yeah, I think I've I've kind of exhausted what I wanted to say, which isn't too much. I just love the movie. But just, well, why why do you love it though? Because you you recommended this to me. You were really excited about yeah. me seeing this. What were you hoping <sighs> that I was going to get from this? I I was hoping you were going to be surprised. I hoping you were always going to like. I think we're very akin, and that we watch a lot of movies, and we can always guess what's going to happen. And this is constantly putting you on the back step, constantly surprising you. I feel it's energetic. I like practical effects. The CG in this, as we've said, isn't great. Um, I like the characters, the way the plot, it does actually tie together when you see it a second time more coherently, but it seems all over the place. I love the little moments of um, just questioning small things, insignificant things, the, the, the guy at the start talking about the person's dream and how... The explosion in the dream coincides with the, the crack of thunder. And how did your brain know 30 seconds prior that that was going to happen? Is these, these little things get stuck in my, my head. You know, the axe at the start, there's more things like that throughout it. Um, it just, it's just weird and wacky. I can't think of anything that's, that's like this movie. That's, that's so scattershot that covers all these bases, yet still is enjoyable without overloading me I, I like it. it it feels fresh every time I watch it and just engrosses me and I do like the lead characters I like the neat little touches like how everything when they take this drug they, they seem to be able to see infinite timelines or how everything is going to evolve and at certain points they seem to be interacting with people in the past and the future they know how things are going to work out they've set everything in motion like when John sets up the trap for the gangster talking guy, 
you know, that's done well in advance. The fact that the girl's got a fake hand, but that actually comes into play because she can get to the door mm. because yeah, of that. It's, like that. It's, it's a movie that feels as if it's everything and everywhere, but it's obviously been thought out that, it, that all these parts fit together to create this story. Mm. I don't feel as if I'm articulating exactly why I love it or why I think it's it's wonderful. I don't think it's a five out of five movie. It's not. It's not for everybody either. But it's a a very unique movie that's for me highly entertaining. Mm. I d- I think just again going back to something you said, which was um, just the, the the fact that it, it's surprises you all mm. the time and I think that might be my main problem is that right. it surprises me too much <laughs> and I, I think um, I, I think there's a you, you know how they, they say for comedy um, that people people will only laugh for so long you know and they, mm. they've done test screenings where they say that you get to a certain running time and even if the jokes are still funny people just stop laughing um, well, I think this is something a little bit like that. I think that with twists, twists and turns, I think you, I think it only works so many times. Um, I, I mean, clearly not because you you like mm. the film. Uh, I well, I like the film. I just I don't I just I don't think I'm as sold on it as you are. Mm. And I think for for me that would be the main reason is that when when I feel like my my brain gets on course and then it's pulled this way and then it gets on course and it's pulled that way and you know you do that in a thriller you know that's what thrillers do uh, mm-hmm. you, you know you have you have the setup and then something happens which sends you right off course um, then you have the you know the the second act which is all about the chase so to speak and then be, before the third act starts you get another twist or turn which kind of sends you into your into your finale, and I think that the brain copes with that. It's a certain structure that has worked for a long time, um, and I think this isn't like that. It's it's like you're twisting and turning so much you feel like you're going to come back on yourself, and you do because it's a time travel movie. Mm. Um, and I I think I think I have trouble with that, but just right. from purely from a subconscious kind of my brain just tunes out kind of way. Uh, and because I because I wanted to be engaged with the film, I had to force myself to tune back in. And right. maybe because now that I have seen the film, I know what's going on, maybe a second watch, maybe I would appreciate it a bit more on my second mm. watch because I'm not having to play that game of, of you know, staying focused all mm. the time. Uh, I don't want to have to focus all the time. Um on, on a subconscious level. Um, Have you seen a movie called Detention? I've not. You've not, right. It's a very similar movie that plays within the horror genre as long as time travel as well. And it is very similar like this. It's almost like an ADHD version of a movie. It has blistering pace. It doesn't stop. The camera never rests for a second. It jumps from character to character to character. And it's funny and it's wacky and it's horrific and it's all these kind of things. And I love that movie as well. I think I just I appreciate it sometimes when they just literally go for it because you, so rarely do you see a movie that they just go gonzo deliberately. 
you know, and, and somebody's like making this movie going like, it's almost as if I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just want to throw all these things into this. I like if, yeah. if you remember when we did, we reviewed At World's End, hmm. um, and and I and I said that that opening ten minutes of At World's End just it it floored me with just just how perfectly pieced together it was by Edgar Wright just the thought that had gone into it the way it sets up that world the characters everything just just it's so rapid fire um, and and the film kind of has to come down a bit after that it has to slow down a bit once they get into the pub crawl it's a bit slower because the group is together we can now watch them you know we can mm. we, we can we can just sit with them in these pubs take a bit of time, take a bit of a breather, let them talk, let them get to the root of their characters and stuff. Whereas that opening 10 minutes, it was, it was just boom, 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 but expertly done, expertly done. And I think I loved that so much and I, and I, and I paid observance to it so much because it was 10 minutes, 10, mm. 15 minutes. If that whole film had been like that, I'm not sure my brain would have been able to cope. Um, so, so I guess, I guess that's the same thing here. I guess, mm. and like this, this film isn't quite as fast, rapid fire as At World's End was in that ten minutes. It's not, it's not, it's not like that all the way mm. through. Yeah. But it, it, but it, but its pace does remain kind of all over the place throughout. And for me, I just struggle with that. I think it's a good film. Uh, I like the characters. I like the idea behind it. Um, you know the the, the 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 story as it unfolds, kind of thing. Once once you figure out what's actually going on, or find out what's actually going on, um, I just yeah, like I say, I'd have liked a bit more to key me into this girlfriend character. Um, I think it'd be better on a bigger budget. And I do think that some of the actors, while good, while perfectly acceptable, I, I wouldn't want to badmouth them, I, I can imagine better actors doing a lot better with it. Mm. Um, but again, that's a budgetary thing. You get Paul Giamatti, you have a bit left over to get Clancy Brown. After that, <laughs> you're dealing with no names. So, uh, yeah. I, I would that's kind of my wrap up I guess I mm -hmm. would give it a three out of five I think it's a good film I would recommend it so I will leave it at that <laughs> yeah um, but personally I would love to know what anybody else thinks of this and, and our email address is in the comment box below and they can they can send us and let us know I just I'd be interested to hear their thoughts on the movie I think I kind of wrapped up earlier on with why I like this movie. And uh, I'm very wary that it's not perfect. It isn't, and that's fine. I'm quite happy with that. I'm not going to give it a five out of five. I'm not even going to give it a four. For me, it's a three and a half out of a five, but it's one of these... It almost feels like a, a comfort movie at this time. I've watched it maybe a half dozen times, and it's something that I put on, and it feels fresh and comfortable, and I can just sit back and enjoy it. Um, but I, I know, I know... This is not for everybody. Um, it's just one of those movies. So there we have it. Okay, Brian, so... Top five 
Yeah. 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 Top Tw- five Paul Giamatti films. Yeah. And, and now, I was quite... Because we, we struggled about this, about what we're going to do, and then we said it, and I was like, oh. Well, you struggled, because yes. it was supposed to be you who came up with the idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was your turn. Don't throw any of this on me. You struggled. But, yeah, okay. Paul Giamatti was a good yeah. idea, it turns out. Oh. Um, and I was like, fantastic. Oh, the guy's got a great career. So I started mm. going through his filmography, and I'm like, crap, I've not, I've not seen that. And that's, that's a big one of his. Oh, no, I haven't seen that either. I haven't seen that. And, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, jeez. I mean, there's a lot that I haven't seen. That, and really? Yeah. And, like, big wow. ones as well. So right. my list will probably be very different from yours. I've tried my best to take the role out of the movie, but it, uh, we'll see how it goes. See, I've so. actually done the opposite because... <laughs> One reason being that one of my top, well, my, basically my second favourite film of all time, count, counting the Dark Knight trilogy as, as one, not three, um, mm. my second favourite film of all time, he was in. So I, I thought, I cannot do, a t- like he only has a small role in it, mm. and I was like, I'm, there's no way I can do a top five Paul Giamatti films and not have that on my list. Um, and so there, I, was, I, there was other ones as well where I was looking and I couldn't remember his role right yeah because he's done a lot of like just little character bits mm. um, you know he's a character actor that's that's kind of but um, yeah. I'm happy to jump into it because I know for okay. a fact my number five is your number two movie of all time right okay well so yeah. that is that so, is. so I, I yeah well I've not gone off performances I've gone off the films. If he's in it, then it counts. How good is that film that he is in? That's that's yeah. the way I've measured so, it. So my number five movie in this list and your number two movie of all time is, of course, Fred Claus. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I watched this last year for the first time um, and I actually really enjoyed it. Mm. You know, um, he plays Santa Claus in it. I put off watching this for the longest time because of the, the cover art. It looked rubbish. It really did. And then you stick on and you're like, oh, God, I was wrong again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and he, he brings all the emotions it needs to be. He's a great Santa. I would never have placed him as Santa Claus at all. Mm. But he does no. tremendous well at it. Mm. Yeah. See, see, like, I I avoided this film like the plague for so long because yep. it got one and two star reviews all around. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, like, at the time when it came out, I was a big... Empire and Total Film Reader. One of those magazines gave it a one-star review and the other one gave it like a two or something, if, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, so I just, yeah, avoided it like the plague. Plus by that point, Vince Vaughn's career was kind of, yeah, mm. yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't at the height by that point. Um, I think he's done some fine work since, but at that point he was having a bit of a dip. So I was just like, no, not interested. And I watched this for the first time two years ago. So not, not well, yeah, about a year ago. So not this Christmas just gone, but the Christmas before. And I really liked it. And mostly because of the message behind it. Just like, I liked that it was all about, you know, actually be thankful for what you get. Mm. Don't. Don't expect gifts at Christmas. If you know, just the fact that somebody's given you something, 
that's what you should celebrate, not, oh, it wasn't what I wanted, so boo-hoo. Uh, so I loved that. Um, but I thought it was executed really well. Uh, to, and, and I watched it again this year. Um, mm. And it's kind of become, or it's slowly becoming one of those films that I, I'm probably going to stick on every Christmas time. You know, we all have those Christmas films. For me, there's a handful. Muppets Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, particularly... Um, and 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 this one's this one's creeping in. It's de it's definitely not at, the, at that level, but but yeah, it's it's a good film. It's a good Christmas film. Definitely underrated. It's the very definition of underrated. You know, a lot of people say underrated film, underrated film about this, that, and the other, um, and and they're not. They're just they're films that actually people who've seen them actually like. What you mean is it's an underseen film. Fred Claus is an underrated film. The very definition of an underrated film. Uh, but, yeah. Mm. It ain't on my list. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, yeah. Like, my two honourable mentions, I will point out, are The Negotiator and 12 Years a Slave. Uh, I just wanted to mention The Negotiator because that was the first film where I noticed Paul Giamatti as an actor. It's the first film where he came onto my radar as... Mm as a presence, as someone to look out for. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, my number five choice is win-win. And, and this is a, another, what I would call, underrated film. And it's directed by... Oh, man, his name escapes me right now. But, basically, the, the guy who did Spotlight. So, this, this was his third film. Uh, he did The Station Agent and The Visitor just before this. And I was a fan. From those two films, I was a fan. I really loved The Station Agent, really liked uh, The Visitor. And when I watched this, I just thought, this is awesome. Uh, Paul Giamatti gives an absolutely blinding performance in it. Uh, it yeah, it's about this, this, this guy who, who's just a really good-natured, good-hearted guy, although he does make a bit... He does trip up at one point in the film... Uh, and and it's just yeah it's one of them dramas a little bit like the station agent where it's it's not really much that happens in that sense it's not an events movie it's just a character driven piece if if you like these char characters then you'll you'll love the movie and that's yeah that that's me i love this movie and i think anyone who who kind of looks at this guy and thinks spotlight yeah oh yeah he knows how to make make a good movie he made three great movies before spotlight and actually i think the three those three movies are better than than spotlight um mm. you know and spotlight won best picture uh now unfortunately he made the cobbler as well but um i i've not actually seen that film but i i hear it's not good at yeah all. i've not seen that either I've, I've heard horrible things i've not yeah. seen win-win either Win Win's great. Right. If, you, if, you, if you've seen The Station Agent and you like The Station Agent, check out Win Win. It's, it's really good. I'll stick on my, my list. Um, number four, John Dies at the End. Uh, Arnie, the, the, the reporter. Now, this probably wouldn't have made it onto my list if I hadn't just watched the movie again. But I really do feel that he shows what class he's got in this small part and he sells everything and he's just so good and whether it's been terrified by a, an invisible being in a cage or whether it's smugly looking at somebody and just judging them with a look that they can't they can't be real what they're doing I think he just sells 
everything and does a, a terrific performance, like we said. Mm. Uh, okay, uh, well, my number four is Cinderella Man. Um, I think I brought this up before, to be honest, uh, in, in previous previous episode I, I it's one of my favorite boxing movies probably top five it's, it's not my number one I, I do rate the fighter as my number one with Rocky being up there um, but but yeah Cinderella man is definitely in contention uh, another underrated film I think one of Ron Howard's best uh, not seen it have you not? Oh right. Well, yeah. Check it out. I think it's. I think it's one of Ron Howard's best. Um, a lot of people would probably disagree. I know when it came out, it kind of it, it, it didn't get bad reviews, but I, I just I just thought they could have been better. There was a lot of three star reviews floating around, and I just thought that was a real, real disservice. Uh, yeah, it's a great film. Okay, uh, my number three is Private Parts. Where he plays Kenny or Pig Vomit. Yeah. Have you seen this movie? I've not. It's it's basically a, a biography of Howard Stern, the, the right, shock yeah. jock. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, he plays Kenny, the kind of his boss or the person that tells him what he should be doing on his radio channel. Mm. And he just gets to play one of those people that you just despise. You know, the the, the white collar just loves himself, tries to put everybody else down, tries to control Howard in the movie and just you just hate him. Every time he's there, you just hope he's gonna get his come up and soon. you know, it takes a lot for somebody to really portray somebody that's just unlikable like that. And and Giamatti has the ability to do that in one movie and then be extremely likable in the next. Mm, yeah, definitely. And if you haven't seen it, it's a hilarious movie. Uh, did they did they did they do two? Movies about Howard Stern. Yeah, I, I, possibly. I only know that I've I've seen. He actually plays himself in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right, so that that is the one that I'm thinking of then. Actually, uh, right. Um, okay. Uh, so, yeah, my number three is Sideways. Um, I, 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 it actually pains me to put that as low down as it is, <laughs> but uh, but it just shows you how how good. The next two films are, um, but yeah, sideways. If, if you're looking for a drama that's just brilliantly played by all actors concerned, uh, fantastically directed, it's Alexander Payne's best film, I think, easily. Um, yeah, just fantastic. And Paul Giamatti is, is the central character in it, mm. and, and he's great, absolutely great. Yeah, this is probably like one of his biggest roles, his, his most mm. famous roles. A, a movie that almost everybody saw, except me. <laughs> Dude, seriously. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Like I said, I, I kept missing out all these big movies. I was going through his list. I'm just like, oh, God. I've not seen that. I've not seen that. Things to be corrected, Brian. Um, yeah, get on. My number two. And again, another bad character, but it's in a fun way, is in the ridiculous movie Shoot 'em Up, where he <laughs> plays Hearse. Again, that's another one. Oh of man, I can't believe we sat here and you're talking about Shoot 'em Up being in your number two, and you've not seen Sideways, Cinderella <laughs> Man, or Win Win. <laughs> oh dear. It's a, it's a huge caveat in this list. I, I, I just mm. think Shoot 'em Up is one of those ridiculously fun movies, um, and. and 
Clive Owen is the, the hero and every bit, has, every bit his equal is Hertz, the bad guy played by Paul Giamatti. Um, it's ridiculous action, people shooting crazily good, except when they're trying to hit each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a fun movie, a fun performance. It is. It's it's been some time since I've seen it. It's probably only a three star film, but yeah. it's just it's just one of them that's a real guilty pleasure. Yeah. Such a simple premise. Uh, yeah. I remember hearing about how the director came came up with it. Well, he literally just the concept was, I want as many shootouts as possible. How can I string them together? What, what can I do to string as many shootouts together as possible? And he just came up with the most simplest of ideas. It's in the title. Yeah, pretty much. If, if you come to this film expecting Citizen Kane, then <laughs> you, you, yeah, you're barking up the wrong tree. Um, yeah. Shame on you for thinking so, if, if that's the case. Uh, but, yeah, my number two, and this... this this has to be your number one choice because I cannot, I cannot, <laughs> for an instance, imagine that you've not seen this. Uh, but my number two is Saving Private Ryan. Um, you probably can't even remember who he was in it, can you? I can't. Okay. Uh, but like I say, I, this this isn't this isn't for me about the roles he's played. If I was doing it based on his his roles, mm. this would be a completely different list. Um, Sideways probably would be number one, and Win Win would probably probably would be number two. But th- for me, this is just about the film itself. Um, Saving Private Ryan, contender for best war film ever made. Uh, I think it, when you're talking about best war film ever made, you have to put Saving Private Ryan in the conversation, without doubt. Mm. Yeah, I, again, I can't remember him in the movie. It's been so long since I saw Saving Private Ryan. Mm. Um, that, that, that my list is probably completely different from yours because you've seen his bigger movies and I've seen the movies where mm. he was probably cashing a paycheck most of the time. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's something he, he's, he can often be accused of, to no. be honest. Um, no. uh, I mean, even like something like Shoot Em Up, I, I'm not so sure it was him cashing a paycheck as just really wanting to have a blast playing yeah. a villain because up to that point he, he hadn't really... Done much in that vein. So he just wanted to, just to shoot a gun. In. Yeah, he wanted to shoot some guns and just yeah, chew scenery. So yeah. yeah. So my number one movie is is probably when I looked at his list, it was my favourite movie that he was in. I think. Um, okay. And that is The Illusionist, which I know you don't like because. I, I just like. I just find it so average, man. I do. do. You? Every, yeah, so many people like love the Illusionist. Yeah, and he, he, like some people even think it's better than the Prestige, and I that that just you you do. Oh, yeah. you're nuts. You I'm, are nuts. I'm not going to say it's better. I prefer it. I I just I find anyone who says that nuts. I really I, I, do. I love I love the fact that it's all like. Um, tricks that were done in that time period. I, I love the Inspector Owls, which is Giamatti's role as he's trying to get to grips with Edward Norton's character and, and can't quite figure out everything out. He's always a step behind, but he's always trying his best. He's been played. It's, it's a fun movie. I, I really like The Illusionist, Brian. It's, it's one of these movies that I could watch endlessly. Uh, OK. 
It's a tall man's <laughs> prestige, as far as I've seen. <laughs> they re- they're released in the same year. Um, but, yeah, uh, I went to see them both at the cinema. Uh, yeah. yeah, me too. I just... I think I love the more subjective. But yeah, I like the different movies. They they are different. Mm. All right, they're both. Turn, turn, yeah, oh yeah, come on. yeah, turn of the yeah. century magicians. But other than that, mm. completely different movies. And I think I like yeah. the sort of romance tale, and the, the illusionist a, a little bit more than what I did like with the prestige. I like the prestige as well. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I I just yeah I didn't care about the romance angle in the illusionist, but I loved. The uh, the examination of obsession in the prestige. Just these two guys, just getting ever more dangerous in their game of one-upmanship mm-hmm. towards each other, um, and you know, but both characters starting out reasonably likable. One more than the other, but by the time you get to the end, neither one of them are likable. But mm-hmm. you're so glued to what's going on. Uh, yeah, but. But anyway, we're not talking about the prestige. We're talking about Paul Giamatti movies. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that that was your number one choice, was it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So yep. my number one choice is the Truman Show. Uh, so, like I say, my second favorite film of all time. You've not seen the Truman no, Show. I, I've seen it. I just can't remember him. Right. So he he was a guy in the control tower. Right. Um, so at, at the end. Ed Harris's character when he's saying, you know, more more waves, he's saying sinking basically. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti's character is, is is the one who finally is like, no, 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 I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. Um, because yeah, he just can't bring himself to to kill Truman. But uh, but yeah, um, just this this film, man. Like we, we should. I'm not going to say anything about it because, quite frankly, one day we should do a full episode on it um, because it's it's one of the best films ever made, as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed, yeah. agreed. We should do. It's, a lot of the movies that you mentioned there <clears throat> are things that I haven't seen in the longest while. Like Stephen Private Ryan, probably about 15 years. Truman Show, the same 15 years. Yeah. So wow. th- those are things that I need to get on to at some point. So. There we have it, it's our top fives, and now on to the game show part of the, the episode, Brian. We are, we're on to the game show. And after, um, ju- not so long ago, just uh, totally uh, <laughs> berating you for not coming up with your idea for the next episode's top five, I've just realised I've got my... Uh, I've got my five picks here, but I, I, I have no idea what we're going to be doing for the next episode's top five. So, mm-hmm. Karma. Anyway. Karma <laughs> is a bitch. Um, okay. So, we'll just get to it. This is, for anyone who doesn't know, this is the part of the show where one of us has five choices for next month's film, next month's Brits on Flicks choice. That we will be discussing uh, uh, th- this week, th- this month it's me. Uh, so I'm going to give five clues, and Graham is going to pick one. Basically, uh, he's going to whittle them down until he's happy with with one, and then I will tell him what film that is that we mm. will be doing. Okay. So first up, a young woman learns that she might be next in line to inherit the universe. Right. Number two, 
A group of teenagers are stranded next to a cornfield and an old and an old farmhouse that is part of a terrifying ritual which is a, which they are about to be drawn into. Number 3. One woman's obsession to be the best is about to consume her. Hmm. Number 4. When a group of teenagers serving detention decide to play a game in the local cornfield, they unwittingly come face to face with the dark force that is living there. And number five, a teenage girl has a disturbing dream involving wolves prowling the woods below her bedroom window. Okay, Brian. Have I seen any of these movies, do you think? I'm guessing you've seen... I'm pretty sure you've seen at least two of them. Right. There's two on here that I'm not too sure about. Um, Right. What? I I, I think... Initially, initially I'm drawn towards two and four, but we'll see. I think I'm going to get rid of one because I think I know what that is. What do you think it is? But as, as we know, I'm always wrong. So my guess is Jupiter Ascending. You are right. It is Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> oh, man. I was looking for a reason to watch that film again. Uh, yeah. Picked it up for fifty p recently from CEX. So I'm, kind of like it. To right? Give it another shot. You kind of like it. Yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Wachowskis really do world building terrifically well, huh? They do interesting films, e- even their failures. Of which, personally, I think this is really their only real failure. Um, are still interesting. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I think the next things of theirs that could be considered failures are the Matrix sequels. Um, and I really enjoy them. I think they're, they're, still, they're still full of more ideas than half. Yeah. Um, Personally, I'm a huge fan of Speed Racer. <laughs> I am. I, I, I've got no qualms about it. I don't even say that with any kind of guilt. I, yeah. I will defend Speed Racer vehemently. I think it's yeah. a brilliant film. Yeah, I, I, I wish I saw it in the cinema. I, I missed mm. it. It's home video I saw it on, and, and it uh, blew I, me away. I, I saw it on my own in a cinema. <laughs> um, uh, the, at the time, I worked as a projectionist. Um, I had to view the print, but because we hadn't had time to view it, I had to view it during its first showing, and no one came and paid to see it. And this was on um, a, a, a Friday during a holiday when people were off. Um, <laughs> So um, I remember that by, this, by the end of the Sunday, the decision had been made by the managers to take it off and put whatever the biggest film was at that time, put an extra showing of it in that screen. Because that, that literally no one, no one, like literally not one ticket was sold for Speed Racer that weekend at our cinema. Mm. Um, so that was it. They just took they took it straight off. And okay, give me, give me the two to five again, Brian, please. Okay, um, so number two, 
A group of teenagers are stranded next to a cornfield and an old farmhouse that is part of a terrifying ritual which they are about to be drawn into. And what was the other one you wanted? Four? Three, four and five. Okay. Uh, Number three, one woman's obsession to be the best is about to consume her. Number four, when a group of teenagers serving detention decide to play a game in the local cornfield, they unwittingly come face to face with the dark force that is living there. Number five, a teenage girl has a disturbing dream involving wolves prowling the woods below her bedroom window. Hmm. I, I can honestly say I don't know what any of these are <laughs> at all. Um, I just I just don't know, Brian. I think I'm going to get rid of number three. Yeah. One woman's obsession to be the best is about to consume her. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Right. <laughs> Do you feel that's a bullet you've just dodged? Um, I, no, I, I liked it when I saw it. I don't know if I want to revisit it. Right, okay. Um, you know one of those movies? Yeah, yeah, I get Let's that. See, um... I'm, I'm not sure it's one I want to revisit, which is why I threw it into this list, because it would force me to do so if it got picked. Right, and then two and four found they sound very similar, very yes. similar, very um, purposeful. Cornfields, group of kids, and I've no idea. Wolves, the one with the wolves, sounds interesting as well. The three of these, I th- I feel that there's bullets in all three of these, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> what you feel like losing all three? Yeah, almost because I've kind of I've kind of worried. I can tell you that one of these films is critically acclaimed. The other two, not so much. Going to get rid of number two. You're getting rid of number two, yeah. which is a film I've not seen, but it is called Husk. Oh, I've seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. It's good. It is. Scarecrows. Okay. Yeah. Um. Can you tell me they're both horrors, Brian? Four and five. Uh, I I think yes. I I th- one one of them might dip into other kind of stuff, but th- I think that they f- four is definitely a horror. Five is a horror slash something else. Hmm. Wolves. I'm I'm curious about that. Um. I love of... stumping you. I love getting you all bent out of shape. I'm, I'm going to get rid of number four. You're going to get rid of number four? Oh, yeah. That's a shame. Because 
it's doubtful I'll watch this otherwise. But um, <laughs> <laughs> number four is the 2013 film Scarecrow. That's right. I picked two movies about killer scarecrows. <sighs> yeah. We'll keep it picked. There's some reasoning behind that, actually, and it's because I, I did actually write a screenplay many, many years ago about a, a killer scarecrow, um, and I put it on the back burner for so long that by... <laughs> yeah, but it, it, so many killer scarecrow movies came out after I wrote that. I, I, wrote, I wrote it in 1998, mm. um, and obviously, yeah... Since then, we've had a slew of these straight-to-DVD, low-budget, killer scarecrow movies, so I'm not sure mine would gain much traction these days. But We'll keep it with effect. Oh. I have picked The Company of Wolves. Ah, um, hmm. Neil Jordan? Neil Jordan, that's it. So a guy who did Interview with a Vampire uh, and a few other notable movies... Um, a, a, a director that I quite like. Um, he's, he's, he's not always been on farm, you know, like I think he did The Brave One with Jodie Foster as well, it's, mm -hmm. which, which isn't a terrible movie, it's, but it's certainly not his best. It's certainly not Interview with a Vampire. Um, and there's, there's a couple of others he did. Uh, End of the Affair, was it, or something like that? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's... He's one that could go either way. I, I, I like what he can bring to a film from a visual perspective. Um, so it, it all hinges on whether it's a good script, really. Uh, I, so, yeah. Company of Wolves is quite critically acclaimed, so I'm, I'm willing to see if it lives up to the hype. Yeah, that, that's one I've actually got in the collection, but not watched yet. So mm, same uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, happened to be uh, walking about FOP. One day, and they had the, the, the steel book for mm. it was a ridiculous little price, it was either three or four pounds. Um, yeah, and I was like, Yeah, I'll, I'll have that. Was that the, the DVD steel book or the Blu ray? Blu ray. Yeah, I got the DVD steel book the other day from CEX <laughs> for right. I think it was like a pound or something like that. So, mm -hmm. so good. good, that's something. And your top five, Brian? My top five, well. I think clearly it's going to have to be werewolf movies, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we've not done that before, I don't think. No. 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 That is... Okay. Uh, Top five for, for, werewolf movies. For pulling that out of your ass, Brian, that's an absolutely fantastic <laughs> pick. <laughs> I think it was obvious, really. I think that was blatantly obvious with that one. I have yeah. no idea what I'd have done if it had been either one of those two Scarecrow movies. Because one, I know nothing about them other than the fact that they've got scarecrows in. It would have literally been top five scare, killer scarecrow movies, of which I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 Top five Wurzel Gummidge episodes. Yeah, top five. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm, I'm actually glad you went with that. I probably could have pulled something out of my ass if you'd gone with Jupiter Ascending or Black Swan, but mm. definitely not those other two. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. So... Next episode will be The Company of Wolves. We'll get that at the start of June. So we'll see you back then. And don't forget, we also have our X-Files podcast that we do most uh, weeks. <laughs> most weeks. There's been a couple of times recently we've been failed to keep up, but we will be making sure yeah. we get back on track with that. So listen to that if you're interested in X-Files. And uh, don't forget to go to iTunes, 
hit us a little like and a review on that. We'd really appreciate it. It would allow other people to discover our podcast and our movie ramblings. And we'll see you next month on Brits on Flux.